Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome to a late night edition of the Pump Fake following week 13 Sunday around the NFL. So much to get to. I'm Jared Bailey with you as always. Three big games from today's slate that we'll focus on today. We'll start with the uh, what just went down on Sunday night football between the Packers and Chiefs. Green Bay keeps on winning and right now hold a playoff spot. In the NFC playoff picture after just a few short weeks ago, it looked all doom and gloom in title town. The Packers just keep winning and they do it on Sunday night football at home in Lambeau field against the green or against the Kansas city chiefs. And so much attention being paid to the final drive, which is where we'll start. Um, the Packers kick a field goal with just over a minute remaining. I think it was about a minute 11 left in the game. We go 27 to 19. Yeah, the Chiefs get the ball back. And Patrick Mahomes is scrambling. I think it's a second and eight. And Jonathan Owens hits him while he is still in bounds. And it's a hard hit. But when you look at the the replay, I mean, there was no helmet-to-helmet contact. It was just a hard shoulder-to-shoulder hit. And he's flagged for unnecessary roughness. To which Lambeau and Matt LaFleur and everybody at home, unless you're a Chiefs fan, was rightfully very annoyed about. There wasn't anything there to call. And yet they caught it. The Chiefs got a free 15 yards at the end of the run. And then some more chaos happens where it appears that the Chiefs fumble and it's ran back for a touchdown by the Packers, but Rasheed Rice is ruled down. So play continues. A pass is thrown deep downfield from Mahomes to Marquez Valdez-Scaling and a Green Bay defender very clearly commits a pass interference, which is not called either. And it felt like in that moment, that was a, hey, we messed up on that unnecessary roughness call. We're not going to call this one for you. (laughs) That's what it felt like. It felt like a makeup call. And Terry McCauley, NBC, pointed out in the post game. That, like, for the most part, this game, I mean, there wasn't anything to write home about officiating-wise. It was officiated well until the final minute where there is a bad, unnecessary roughness call, a bad, no offensive or no pass interference call against uh, Green Bay on Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Two really bad, one being a bad call and then one very bad missed call. And then... The Hail Mary at the end in which no pass interference is called. But 
pass interference is rarely ever called in those situations, so I'm not too up in arms about that. But it feels like every single week we are talking about the officiating of some game. Doesn't necessarily always have to be the biggest game, you know, America's game of the week. Doesn't have to be a primetime game. But we talk about officiating too much. And it's never a good thing when you're talking about officiating. And the league needs to do something. What that may be, I don't know. Should they start punishing officials? Maybe. Should they make all penalties reviewable? Maybe, but how much time will that add on to the game if a coach is challenging or wanting to go upstairs for every penalty? But something's got to be done. Because if it was, then they could have taken a look at the unnecessary roughness penalty and said, yep, we got that one wrong. Let's go ahead and overturn that. They could have taken a look at the pass interference penalty and said, yep, we got that one wrong. Let's uh, let's call that. And it affects the outcome of the game. Now look, at the end of, at the, end of the day, are the Chiefs going to be okay? Yeah, probably. But now we're in a situation where that could cost them home field advantage in the playoffs. And in the NFC... The Packers went from being okay, they might be five and seven to oh, they're six and six now and have a playoff spot over a team. You know, if you're the Rams right now, you're not happy because you had a playoff spot that is now occupied by the Packers. And so, yeah, in the moment, people can look at it and say, ah, oh, it's, you know, one game, one call. How much is that going to, well, you know, we say every game in the NFL matters. And this could end up mattering a lot for both sides, where it could get the Packers into the playoffs and it could cost the Chiefs home field advantage. Regardless, credit to the Packers. Like let, Let's give credit where it's due. Jordan Love, 267 yards, three touchdowns. Jordan Love, since week nine, third in the NFL and EPA. He has played fantastic. And he was fantastic tonight against the Chiefs. Like I said, 267, three touchdowns, no picks. He and Brock Purdy are tied atop the NFL for the most games this season with three touchdowns or more and no interceptions. He outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes didn't have a good game. He didn't have a horrible game, but for his standards, 210 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. He wasn't anything great. Now, he obviously made like a few throws that you know were Mahomes-esque and Chris Collinsworth was losing his mind. There's one where Mahomes is being wrapped up and he just kind of flung it on an end breaker and it went for like eight yards but like you know little plays like that he was still Mahomes in certain situations but in terms of like his overall stat line I mean 210 one and one nothing to write home about for Mahomes Packers outgained the Chiefs both teams were good on third down but overall this came down to Jordan Love outplayed Mahomes and credit to him for it because he's been fantastic over the last month and is a very big reason why the Packers are currently in a playoff spot. 
That's been an up and down year for him. I mean, he started off the year really hot against Chicago, played really well against Atlanta in a game that they lost. And that was really just trying to find his footing, you know. In a game against Pittsburgh, he threw a pair of touchdowns, a pair of really nice touchdowns. He also threw a pair of picks in that game. It was without Christian Watson for a little bit. They were trying to find, you know, guys like Romeo Dobbs to step up, uh, Jaden Reed, Ontavian Wicks, Musgrave, the tight end. Aaron Jones was gone for a little bit. They had to rely a lot on A.J. Dillon. Like, it's been a really up-and-down season for the Packers, but they're getting hot when it matters. And a lot of that is because Jordan Love has played really, really well. Third in the NFL and EPA since week nine. And the Green Bay Packers and their last two games have beaten a really good Detroit Lions team and a really good Kansas City Chiefs team and now currently hold a playoff spot in the NFC playoff picture. Good for them for doing so. The 49ers and the Eagles. Now this game was even somewhat early on. I think both teams scored on their opening handful of drives. It's just that the 49ers scored touchdowns and the Eagles scored field goals. And you look at all the drama that ensued with the uh, the, the Drake Greenlaw situation where he you know, throws a punch at uh, Eagles security, whoever the hell that was. And just a lot of drama. There's a lot of bad blood between these teams. Don't get it twisted. Like These teams don't like each other. Everybody knows what happened last year in the NFC Championship game where Brock Purdy went down. They had to bring in Josh Johnson. Christian McCaffrey took a few snaps at quarterback in that game. And then Purdy in this game goes for 314 yards, four touchdowns. The 49ers were really efficient offensively. Debo Samuel had a really big game. He went for 116 receiving yards and a pair of touchdowns. 49ers were 8 of 11 on third down. All in all, I mean, just a dominant performance. And you could tell that the 49ers really wanted this. And they were out to prove a point. Because we heard all offseason, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, coming back to the NFC title game and pissed off about it. Saying, yeah, we felt like we were the better team. We felt like if Brock didn't get hurt, we probably would have won. And it clearly meant a lot to them where Debo comes out and has 116 yards and two touchdowns. Purdy, 314 and four touchdowns. They were really efficient on third down. They sacked Jalen Hurts three times. Jalen Hurts didn't have a great game. He didn't have a bad game, but he wasn't anything spectacular. But the big thing is that the 49ers held the Eagles just 46 yards on the ground. Now, a lot of that could be, okay, Philadelphia was down somewhat early. They you know, looked to pass the ball more often than not. But even then, the game didn't get like extremely out of reach until the third quarter. Like later in the third. I would say midway to late in the third quarter. Like They could have still stuck to their game plan, tried to run it. But the 49ers just were not going to let them run the ball. And credit to him for it because they, like, 46 yards rushing for the Eagles. And they couldn't counterpunch anything that the 49ers were doing. Which led to the blowout that we all watched. Now, does this mean all of a sudden that, oh my goodness, the Eagles aren't a good team? No, of course not. Like, they just, you get, context matters in this situation. Because they just ran a gauntlet where they had to face the Bills, the Chiefs, and the 49ers. 
all in consecutive weeks. That's a tough gauntlet to run. And they got Dallas next week. Like that is a very, very difficult schedule. They weren't going to win all of them. By the way, they were 10 and one coming into this week. They're 10 and two now. They'll be fine. Next week against Dallas just got a whole lot more interesting though, because if Dallas wins, oh my goodness, both teams are all of a sudden 10 and three. And Dallas, you go from, okay, you know, we'll probably be the number five seed to, oh man, we could, we could win the NFC East. And depending on seeding and how the rest of the NFC does, we could be the number one seed in the NFC and get that first round by and make sure that the road to the Super Bowl goes through Jerry World. So next week just got a whole hell of a lot more interesting because Dallas is playing extremely well right now, and you can make the argument that Dak Prescott is your NFL MVP right now after the performance that we saw on Thursday against the Seattle Seahawks. So next Sunday night in Dallas is going to be one of the more important Eagles-Cowboys games of recent memory with a lot on the line. Now, if you're the 49ers, I mean, they basically have the division unlocked. They play the, the Seahawks again next week. If they win that game, they wrap up the division. So for them, though, obviously you want to win as many games as possible, but this wasn't just another game on the schedule for them. And those guys will tell you that, too. You know, guys like Fred Warner, guys like Debo Samuel, guys like Christian McCaffrey, they'll tell you that this one they, they've been waiting for since January. And they got the job done. And kudos to them for it. Hard to argue that they're the best team in the NFL right now, man. They are very, very good. And you'd be hard-pressed to argue anybody else being above them after what we've seen over the past number of weeks and after the performance that we saw on Sunday from them. Great performance overall from the 49ers, who, again, could wrap up their division as early as next week if they beat Seattle, which is crazy. Houston keeps on winning the houston texans are such a fun football team man and they get another win today against the denver broncos they go to seven and five the afc by the way is stacked and this playoff race is getting crazy because you look at the wild card race right now all three current wild card teams sit seven and five the steelers lose today to the cardinals i'll touch on that a little bit later they're still the five seed because the Browns lose to the Rams and the Indianapolis Colts of all teams without Anthony Richardson, Gardner Minshew under center, putting up a ton of points and are seven and five as well. And then at that number eight spot lurking are the Houston Texans. After a win today, big day for the Houston defense. They picked off Russ three times. By the way, Russell Wilson on the day, 15 of 26, buck 86, touchdown and three picks, including uh, Derek Stingley, I believe, had a pair of interceptions. Then Jimmy Ward had the game sealer at the end. Nico Collins for the Houston Texans, 191 receiving yards and a touchdown. CJ Stratt on the day went 16 to 27, 274 and a touchdown. So a really big day for Nico Collins. Unfortunate news for the Texans, though. Uh, rookie sensation receiver Tank Dell goes down with a fractured fibula. He's done for the season, it looks like. And that's just heartbreaking news for a guy who was having such a tremendous season for a team that was really, you know, become the sweethearts of America. Um, but overall, for the Texans, the story of the, of the day was their defense. 
And Nico Collins, obviously, he had a ginormous performance, probably the best game of his career thus far. Um, but you look at what Houston did to Denver defensively. We already talked about the three picks, Stingley having a big day, Jimmy Ward winning it at the end. The Broncos were 0 for 11 on third down. 0 for 11. Could not move the sticks. And you just look at this Houston defense where it's been an up and down unit all year. I talked about it with uh, ESPN Texans reporter DJ BNIMA this past weekend on the pump fake where, you know, we talked about, you know, the roller coaster that they've had, but they also hadn't had their secondary completely healthy all year. And we saw the results of that. I mean, Stingley had a big game. Desmond King, who came, who they released ahead of week one. He went to Pittsburgh for a few weeks. Steelers released him, and then he goes back to Houston and is making an impact. Jimmy Ward. Now, these guys all played really well in their role. Steven Nelson as well, the former Steeler and Eagle and Chief. Will Anderson had a big day as well. He had a few sacks, a ton of pressures. By the way, proving that he was more than worth the trade-up. I know that a lot of people at the time were saying, oh my goodness, they gave up so much for Will Anderson. Well, right now he's more than backing up that he was worth that trade. So a big day for Houston, big day for CJ Stroud and Nico Collins. And now you look at the rest of the AFC because the Steelers lose today to the Arizona Cardinals and one of the more shockers of the week where Cardinals came in with two wins on the year. Steelers came in seven and four and the Cardinals just bullied them. And Pittsburgh started off hot. They had a play action completion from Kenny Pickett to George Pickens that went for 38. But they had to settle for a field goal because their red zone offense is not good. And we saw more of that later. Like It was tied at three. Steelers got the ball down to the one-yard line. Kenny Pickett um, scrambled to get them down to the one, and Pickett got hurt. And he came into this week with ankle discomfort, is what Mike Tomlin described it as. He had his right ankle heavily taped. And on the scramble, he aggravated the injury, which brought up fourth down. The Steelers went for it, but they went in shotgun with Mitch Trubisky, who gave the ball to Najee Harris, and he got stuffed. And then the Arizona Cardinals ensued to have a 99-yard touchdown drive capped off with a Trey McBride touchdown. To take it into halftime, there was multiple weather delays too. Uh, took a while for the game to come out of halftime because of a weather delay. There was a second weather delay. This game didn't end till damn near what, 6.30. So a lot happened in terms of Steelers losing players because not only did they lose Kenny Pickett, they lose inside linebacker Alandon Roberts, and they had already lost Cole Holcomb and Quan Alexander for the year. And coming into this week, you know, I talked about it a lot, where the Cardinals were six in the NFL coming into this week at targeting the middle of the field. Well, the Steelers were without two very big pieces and taking away the middle of the field, and they lost a third one in this game, and they just kept feeding Trey McBride, who had eight catches. And Steelers couldn't stop it. And the Steelers couldn't do anything offensively either. Because, I, I mean, Without Pickett, it was going to be a little bit more difficult. But how big really is the gap between Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky? 
Trubisky finished the day 11 to 17, buck 17 and a touchdown, but a lot of that was in garbage time. And so now the Steelers go into a short week in which they host the New England Patriots on Thursday Night Football, which, by the way, Al Michaels is going to hold Jeff Bezos at gunpoint if he doesn't get out of compensating that game. So the Steelers are going to be, it looks like, starting Mitch Trubisky. They might be without a Landon Roberts. TJ Watt got dinged up in this game, too. It looks like he's going to be fine, though. Um, but now if you're the Steelers, you go from, okay, this stretch of games where you had the Cardinals and the Patriots, you very well could have gotten to nine and four. Now you're staring at seven and six. That is a very different place to be, especially with all the aforementioned teams that I just talked about coming behind you, where the Colts are still very much alive and holding a playoff spot. The Browns are still very much capable of taking a playoff spot from the Steelers. The Texans are right there. They've already beaten the Steelers. Buffalo's not going away. They play Kansas City next week in what will likely be a game where if they don't lose, they'll have to run the table to save their season. Like there's still plenty of teams behind Pittsburgh that are more than capable of kicking them out of the playoffs altogether. And the Steelers didn't have a right to come into this game arrogant or underestimating anybody. Because Cardinals have a better quarterback than the Steelers. And the Steelers haven't won convincingly yet this season. They had no right to come into this game feeling big, feeling tough, like they could bully the Cardinals. And the opposite happened. James Conner had a big return to Pittsburgh. And the Cardinals bullied the Steelers. And now you're going into a short week against a Patriots team who admittedly isn't good, but the Cardinals weren't good either. <laughs> and so now you got to win this game. You could have had a little bit of leeway. If you beat the Cardinals, you're going in eight and four. Yeah, obviously you don't want to lose, but if you did, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Now, if you fall to seven and six, oh, Houston's going to be licking their chops. The Browns, the Colts, the Bills, they're going to be, oh, okay. That helps us out a lot. You can't lose this game Thursday night because there's too many teams behind you that are going to be ready to pounce and are going to be trying to take that spot if you're the Steelers. Can't do it, man. Can't do it. We talked about the NFC playoff picture. I do want to talk about the Detroit Lions, though, because their draft class this past year has the potential to be an all-timer because this young core that they have, man, is tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. Sam Laporta had a touchdown early. Jameer Gibbs had a big carry to set up a David Montgomery touchdown early on in the game. The Lions led 21 to nothing with seven minutes left in the first quarter. Now, New Orleans mounted somewhat of a comeback, but the Lions held on to win 33 to 28 overall for the day. Jared Goff, 16 to 25, 213, two touchdowns. Jameer Gibbs had eight carries for 60 yards. Sam Laporta, nine catches, a buck 40 in the touchdown. Brian Branch, the rookie out of Alabama, had an interception on Derek Carr. Jameson Williams had a, a touchdown on a jet sweep in which he looked like he was shot out of a cannon, and that was kind of the, uh, the nail in the coffin for New Orleans. And now the Lions, coming off a game that they lose to the Packers on Thanksgiving, are now 9-3 and three and still look like one of the best teams, not only in the NFC, but in the NFL. And this young core has really come alive for them. 
Again, Gibbs led them in rushing. David Montgomery had 18 carries on the day, but only for 56 yards. Jameer Gibbs is really the their lightning rod offensively, and he he continued to show that today. Sam Laporta, it's not an exaggeration to say he's already one of the best tight ends in the NFL. He had a phenomenal game. And Amon Ross St. Brown had a long touchdown, but he only had two catches on the day. And so the Lions really leaned on the run game, Sam Laporta, and guys like Brian Branch to make plays defensively. And not only that, Tracy Walker had a nice game. I think Bruce Irvin got in there and had a few sacks. Like they are finding guys that are stepping up each week in different ways. Again, Bruce Irvin had a sack today. You have Brian Branch, the rookie, making plays constantly. Kirby Joseph, Tracy Walker, Jerry Jacobs. Like we talk about the Lions and Ben Johnson and the schemes and all that, but on the defensive side of the ball, they have taken such a step forward this season from where they were last year, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. Now there's a good chance that they could be the team in the NFC Championship game. You know, who, you know, who could be facing the 49ers or the Eagles? And depending on how things go, man, like there's a very real chance that the Lions finish the season off going 13 and four. And if Dallas and Philadelphia beat up on each other, well, let's say Dallas wins next week. Okay. The Eagles are now 10 and three. That's three losses for them. They'll have the same amount of losses as the Lions. Cowboys, three losses. There's a slim chance the Lions could be the number one seed in the NFC. Now we talk about the 49ers, they're the better team, but they've already got three losses as well. So if you're the Lions right now, I feel like the Lions can go head-to-head with any team in the NFC and keep up with them. Like if I, if we get a 49ers and Lions NFC Championship game, sign me up. I would love if it was in Detroit even more, but it would likely be at Levi Stadium. That's fine. But offensively, these are two very like-minded coaches in terms of offensive coordinator Ben Johnson and 49ers head coach and OC Kyle Shanahan. And it would come down to, okay, can the Lions' defense limit the 49ers? Because again, the Lions' defense has been better than it was last year. I think last year they finished... Second to last in the NFL and EPA. They're 17th right now in EPA. So it's been a jump up from what it was last year. But if we do get an NFC Championship game, Lions, San Francisco, sign me up. I'm there. Give me Jared Goff and Brock Purdy injected in my veins. Give me Dan Campbell in late January. I'm in. Everybody's focused on the 49ers and the Eagles. Don't forget about Detroit. When you talk about Dallas, don't forget about Detroit. Because they're no longer just the lovable team who, you know, you root for to get a playoff spot. This is a team with real aspirations and real expectations. And the expectation is, yeah, they could they can make a run at this thing. 
Like it's not completely out of the equation that the Lions can get to the Super Bowl. Jared Goff's been to the Super Bowl. That's not unprecedented for him. Dan Campbell's a good coach. They got guys on the defensive side of the ball that can get to the quarterback. They got a really good young core of weapons. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Detroit surprises a lot of people and gets to the Super Bowl. And I think that would be very fun. If we get like a Jaguars-Lions Super Bowl, oh, I'm in. That would be great. Got Jaguars-Bengals on Monday Night Football. If Jacksonville wins, they are the number one seed in the AFC. And that would put all three top teams in the AFC at 9-3 because it would put Jacksonville at 9-3, Miami at 9-3, Baltimore at 9-3, and then the Chiefs would be the four seed at 8-4, and four, and then all the wild card teams are 7-5. and five. Which Again, this AFC is stacked. They are 9-10 teams deep right now that you could say legitimately could make the playoffs. I would probably lean closer to 9. Because after the Bills, I'm, I don't believe in the Chargers. The Raiders have played better since Antonio Pierce took over. I don't think that they're making a run at anything real. But the last month or so of the season is going to be very fun to keep up with and see what happens. And we're going to get first taste of that Thursday night after Week 13 is done with Steelers Patriots because if Steelers win, then okay, cool, you're eight and five. If not, you're seven and six. And uh-oh, here comes Houston. Uh-oh, here comes Buffalo. Oh, goodness. The Browns and Colts, if they win, they're going to kick you down a spot. Not good. So a lot of teams where every game means seeding from now on in the AFC. NFC as well, but you know, AFC being a little bit deeper with you know a little bit better teams on that side of the ball. A lot could happen. It's gonna be a lot of fun to do or to you know to see. Be a lot of fun to commentate the rest of the way. I'm excited to do it. So we'll be back later on in the week. We'll see who we have on. It'll probably be some form of either Ben Raven. Maybe it'll be Ben Raven. I'll give him a call to talk about the Lions. But you guys know how the schedule goes by now. We'll do a show that will, obviously this one, listening, by the way, if you're watching this live right now, that's very nice of you. Um, but later on in the week, another pair of shows, best bet show going into week 14. So a lot coming. Appreciate you guys for tuning in as always to the pump fake. If you could go subscribe to the YouTube, just started really paying attention to that within the last year, already near 500 subscribers for the podcast. So if you go subscribe to the YouTube, that would be great. It would make me very happy. I consider it a very kind favor. Or if you're listening to this, wherever you get your podcast, I appreciate you. So we'll see you after Monday night football. We'll be here to talk about everything going on in the AFC playoff picture because it's going to get crazy regardless of who wins tomorrow. And if the Bengals win tomorrow, oh my goodness, they're all of a sudden still on this thing too. So a lot could happen. Appreciate y'all for tuning in to the Sunday recap edition of the NFL in week 13 on the Pump Fake. I'm Jared Bailey. See you soon later on in the week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.